Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. I am your host, the Shadow Dragon Ordo, and he is the Hero King, Cardwiz. Build an army. Trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast. And my good friend Ordo, we've got a celebration coming up, a 30th anniversary celebration, but I've got a few preparations to make. So uh, before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been playing recently? Well, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Persona 5 Royal still. Um, prior to recording this, I actually just reached the ending. Then Cardwiz is like, no, you have to come record. And I was like, but Cardwiz, Persona 5. And he's like, come on, come on. So, um, yeah, other than that, been dipping my toe into Super Metroid a little bit. Not really digging that one. Uh, and then I've also played like a little bit of Nier Automata and a little bit of, um, Breath of the Wild, which made me kind of think between this and Persona, is it the year 2017 again? It absolutely is, and I'm totally okay with it, because that was an amazing year for gaming, and we weren't all stuck inside. With the Royal, do you think you did all the things you needed to unlock the third semester? I believe that I have. Um, I don't know what I need to do to unlock the third semester, but I paid like, super close attention to uh, my um, social links and everything, so I hope I get to do it. What do you think of all the changes that they've made between the original and Royale? Honestly, the changes are very minimal, or, well, I don't mean that they're minimal, but they're not major that affect the story in any type of way, and they almost feel like they're natural, like they should have been there to begin with. A lot of the things they changed I'm very happy about, they made guns actually useful, rather than just like, why are you here, like was in the original one. I absolutely love the changes they made to some of the confidant powers, for example, Ryuji's insta-kill is overpowered and incredibly useful and I love it very much. Thank you for letting me just charge through mementos getting all the money in the world. The only complaint I would have about it is that the thing I was most looking forward to with Royal is I thought the story of the original one missed a lot of character developmental moments because before this I played Persona 4 and Persona 4 had some of the best characters and best character arcs in just about any game I've ever played and that's probably like the only place I would say that Persona 5 was lacking over Persona 4. So I thought Persona 5 was going to add more character moments. I thought it was going to add more things like more scenes like going to the beach, more scenes like the school festival, more just team character developmental bonding moments. And we didn't really get many of those, so I was just disappointed by that. But oh, overall, it's still a near-perfect game, and I still love it, and I love that I got to play it again, and I'm enjoying the new semesters so far. I'm only like a third way in through it, I think, but I am absolutely loving it. Some of that I wonder, is it because of you know how tightly the calendar system's actually done in the game? Because they did add a few things. There's one, not, this isn't really a spoiler, but like there's one where you see them going to a summer festival. It's like Ryuji, Yusuke, and the protagonist. I think Morgana's there, too. Yeah, I was. I saw that one. I was like, "Oh, it's great! We're going to get a bunch of these." And that's really like the only one I remember off the top of my head. So that was just a little disappointing, but still love that game. I will. I'm happily putting another hundred hours into it. And if they do another one, they'll put another hundred hours into that. When Scramble comes out, I'll put a hundred hours into it. I love this universe. I love this series. Keep milking this cow, Atlas, please. Well, at this rate, you know, Persona 6 is going to be out in, like, what, 2030? Probably. But as soon as they announce it for 2025, that's when I know it'll be ready in 2030. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it won't be delayed whatsoever. 
Absolutely never once. December 2014. Outside of that, I have been in an RPG mood. I did finally pull the trigger and bought a game I played on the in the 360 days that was released on PS4 about two years ago. Do you remember a game called Resonance of Fate? Oh, yeah. I forgot it came out on PS4. It did. It is an insane game with one of the most convoluted battle systems I've ever played. But for some reason, I just love that game, even though I've never gotten past like the third chapter, I think, because the bosses in that game are an insane difficulty spike if you don't completely have a full grasp of the combat, which is one of the most difficult and crazy combats I've ever seen in any game. You're playing three characters, and your weapons are guns. But instead of just like simply shooting people and HP goes down or like hiding behind shoulder-high walls, you have to move around. But to move around, it costs you like one of your health points, and you only start out with three, and it's incredibly hard to get them, at least in the point of the game I'm at. And you only get them back if you defeat enemies and take down armor. But like when you're fighting a boss, that's incredibly difficult. And, oh yeah, guns don't do damage, really. You have to chip away with a blue gun, a submachine gun, and then shoot that with a regular gun or a grenade, and then that does it. It's it's an insanely complicated, convoluted system, but for some reason, this is the third time I've started this game from the beginning to try and understand it, because I like the weird, quirky characters, this really weird, beautiful, steampunk, dystopian world of towers in the sky and with beautiful visuals, and I don't know what this game is, but I keep wanting to play it. Yeah, I I think I want I want to say I got to chapter five on the 360 version, and I just had to quit because I was just like I I'm not getting anywhere. It, the gun guns cost way too much. I'm just like you know what I'll put it down, and then I just put it down. I never came back to it. Oh yeah, and you don't have like a traditional level up system. You level up by leveling up three categories: guns, submachine guns, and hand grenades. And you sort of have to pass these between your teammates. So that someone's leveling up submachine guns and just you just have to pass your guns between each other. And just, oh my goodness. I think it's bad, but I like it. And I keep wanting to play it. I would not recommend – I would recommend someone try it, but I would don't think I'd recommend someone buy it anticipating you're going to get 100 hours into it and love it. Seeing Vacheron, Leanne, and the other guy um, in Project Cross Zone 1 and 2 really made me want to pick up the game again. But then I kind of had to think about it again. I was just like, mm, nah. I still can't do it. I, I wouldn't recommend it. This is this is a weird self-punishment for me. I don't get it, but I keep playing it. Well, I hope you get far. We'll see. I'll look forward to that Chapter 3 boss spike. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a doozy. But, you know, we're here for uh, a specific purpose, I believe. As we said at the, at the very top, um, Fire Emblem has turned 30. That 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 was all that that was all the celebration I had planned. Uh, did did you have any celebration planned or? Oh no no you've already done way more than Intelligent Systems actually did. Oh I I, I must have missed the memo there. I must have missed like a website or some announcement or something. Uh, what did Intelligent Systems or Nintendo announce for the thirtieth anniversary of Fire Emblem? Well, Fire Emblem, this super successful franchise that's been around since 1990, they did uh, some summonable heroes in Fire Emblem Heroes based off, like, young versions of Marth, Sita, Minerva, 
Although she was, Minerva was actually a free unit. Um, and the White Wings. Oh, and Merrick. And they did, oh, get this. This is really going to, this is really going to get you. Save states for the original Fire Emblem that lets you see the triangle attack and plays, and play on the very last map. Oh, uh, so this means uh, America's finally going to get Fire Emblem on the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System online system? No, Japanese-only Famicom. Oh. Isn't that great? No, this is this, this sucks so much. There's so much they could do. They could do just about anything and it'd be great. They could release new music. They could re- release new artwork. They could, I don't know, maybe announce that. Announce that they're just working on a new title, maybe. It might be nice to know that. It'd be nice if we could get some releases of the Fire Emblem games in America. If we can get that Famicom game in America finally with those weird save states, I guess. Thank you for that. Better than nothing, although it might not be better than nothing. But good lord, Intelligent System. The mobile game Dragalia Lost released more Fire Emblem content than what they gave us. I know. They did. They actually, if you can find it, um, they did a nice recreation of the first game's box art, but using Martha and like the characters from their game, which that was, that was cool. That was cool. It's super cool. If I hadn't deleted that game from my iPad a couple of years ago, I would absolutely be loving it and playing it right now. But that was a good battery drain. Great game for, for a mobile game, but man, that was a battery drain. That'd be perfect. That'd be a perfect Switch release. Just saying. I mean, it, it, it looked like it. I mean, plus, you can summon Chrom in the game. Oh, sorry, I was trying to list positives. Sorry. Yeah. If if Nintendo Switch can do a mobile game like Elder Scrolls Blades, they can do a game like Dragalia Lost, which is kind of a Nintendo-ish property, I think. Not sure how that works, but just saying. I would have been happy with a nice logo. If they would have said, if they would have said you know, 30, 30 Years of Fire Emblem, gave like a montage video... And been like, you know, here's the 30 years more or something like that. I mean, it, it was acknowledged on the uh, official Nintendo America account and the Fire Emblem Heroes English account and Japanese account did um, some like 30 second video retrospectives from several of the games, which, funnily enough, they were asking, huh, where are your memories of Fire Emblem 1? It's just like, oh yes, I'm sure everyone who's legitimately played this on their Nintendo Entertainment System is totally going to uh, answer this truthfully. Just a new logo, just a new announcement that we're working on something. We're working on the next thing. That's... I don't think that would be too much to ask. You know, they've got to be working on something. Three Houses was a tremendous success for them. It sold multiple millions of copies. I think it was like the 13th most successful Nintendo Switch game overall, if I remember correctly. Because they released some numbers a little while back. Yeah, I think it's sitting at something like 2.8 million. Mm-hmm. Multi-million selling game franchise on the Nintendo Switch. You know they're going to do a new game at some point. Just tell us that you're working on it. You could show show me a picture of Ike's boot and be like, soon to come. I don't know what they're doing, but we did hear from an intelligence system. They are working on something. They did announce they're working on something, not at the 30th anniversary event. They did announce they're working on the new Paper Mario game. Yeah, apparently that's the thing that they've actually been all in on. Yes, because like Three Houses wasn't really finished or primarily done by Intelligent Systems. It was done by, uh, not Bandai, was it Techno Koei? Koei Tecmo. 
Koei Techno, Techno Koei, whatever. So it's just like, what's an int- intelligent system has been working on? They're primarily Fire Emblem, but just, they're finally back to doing Paper Mario, which I they haven't done a Paper Mario game since Thousand Year Door, or did they do Super Paper Mario? I, I know that I know they didn't do Color Splash or uh, Sticker Star, and it shows. Um, yeah. They they may have done Super Paper Mario, but I can't remember. Watch watch that trailer, and that was a fun one. But uh, hopefully, it's semi close to Thousand Year Door in quality, but probably not. But back to Fire Emblem. Good lord, could they not have done something more than next to nothing? Oh well. Something that I really wish they would have done is you know just somehow make some of the older titles playable. Because right now you have to jump through hoops to actually get you. To actually be able to play some of these games, you either have to own the original hardware or you're going to have to dig out a Wii U. Or, in the case of something like Path of Radiance, you're going to have to dig out, <clears throat> excuse me, your uh, Wii or GameCube. More news on that later in the podcast. Uh, but at least there are still other ways that we can experience Fire Emblem World. We, we can still play Three Houses over and over again, which I have. We can dig out the Wii U. <laughs> even though it's annoying to have to dig out a Wii U or Wii to play all these games, dig out your Game Boy Advance. At least there's still things they're working on. They're still developing cards for Cypher, that uh, card game. Maybe I should start getting into that. What do you think, Ordo? Uh, card was, I, um, <clears throat> uh, one of the first things they did uh, this month was uh, cancel Cypher or an- announce the cancellation of Cypher. Um, October, I believe, 21st or 22nd will be their last series that's coming out, and they'll be supporting the game up until March 2021. Happy anniversary! It's so great. Yeah, I I have little to no experience with Cypher. I've looked at the art when it's been tweeted at me on Twitter, and upon the announcement, I went to the website to look at the artwork, and I really enjoy a lot of it. I wish I could have played this game. If there was an app for it, I would absolutely play it. But it's one of those things that if you have to like special order it in order to play to just even own these cards. Now I did hear there's like an online community that plays like a translated version of it and some kind of browser or something like that. But I, I really don't know uh, too much about it. But this really just, this really sucks. You know, I mean, I don't buy it and I don't actually own any of the cards, you know, they never came overseas, but like the thing that I could always enjoy from these cards was this gorgeous artwork, like characters that hadn't seen artwork during their original release are now getting like, you know, these wonderful pictures. Um, you know, I mean, I've said it before, you know, we, we, he and I haven't played Gene- genealogy, of the Holy war, but like. Imagine you're a fan of that game and, you know, it has to be difficult because that series or series me, that game seems to get buried, uh, more often than not. And to see cipher cards come out featuring brand new, gorgeous artwork of these cards had to be, you know, really, really nice. And of course, it's not just genealogy. It's other, uh, other characters that don't get much official art either. Even games like Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Fire Emblem Heroes got a lot of really cool artwork out of this. And watch, looking through all of the cards, which I've done the last couple of days, just to see the artwork that I've never seen and will never get to see again, I pulled up a bunch of artwork that I'd never seen that I absolutely loved. A lot of it was from characters I have never really heard of outside of kind of watching some random playthroughs or reading about games I've never played. Like, for example, from Series 6, there's a character from Genealogy of the Holy War, 
uh, what's her name? Uh, Tile Tiu. No idea. Tile Tiu, I believe it's called. She's yes. called. No idea who she is. Some gray-haired magic lady, but the card is, it's a fantastic card. She's just like looking weirdly surprised as she's like shooting lightning from her hands, just just wondering, oh, how did this happen? What's going on? Oh boy, oh no. It's like, there's so much really good artwork. Although not all of it's great. I will say, as I was looking through this, a lot of the early seasons and a series of this went a little crazy with the art direction. The art itself was good. But there was a lot of, okay, we're going to have lots of uh, flashy lights shining off the blade that's blocking some of the actual artwork. We're going to have a bunch of flames. We're going to have a bunch of magic just surrounding everything in a vortex, and it's just going to be not focused at all. But the artwork, but it did get much better later on. I was looking at the later seasons, and almost all of the artwork is just absolutely fantastic and focused. Some of my favorite cards are the ones where it's like two cards, but you put them together to make like a single picture. Again, we were talking about genealogy a second ago. There's one of, I believe it's, um, uh, Alvis or Arvis versus Sigurd. And, you know, he's the Emperor of Flame and he's got like these huge fireballs coming out and Sigurd's charging at him. He has the sword and it's just, it's a real awesome, like, display. Uh, one of my favorite sort of duo cards. It's not only is it good because two cards that are going together, but they're two cards that are telling a story that you might not have seen in the game from Fire Emblem 7. You, there was a two cards of the two of them together, sort of like their first time meeting at a ball, and Louise is just holding a, uh, holding out her bow because that's what she did to impress Pent, and Pent just staring there like I'm into this. Yeah, yeah, it's something you only read about. It's not even from uh, Pent and Louise's perspective. Uh, I think it's Louise to in game. I believe Lu- Louise is telling the story to Hawkeye. I want to say. I forget who that com- support conversation is with, but it's, just, it's a really cool little conversation. I remember and it was really cool to see that represented in card form. I never thought I'd see official artwork of a scene like that. Yeah. Kind of going back to the two pair of cards. There's also one. It's like, it's, well, it's four characters, but it's two cards and it's pant Luis. And, um, like kind of like above them is Clarine and Klein. They're two children. They also make one of those cool cards. We also got so Three Houses was only around for the last year, but we got some really cool Three Houses artwork out of it, including probably my favorite picture of Byleth that we've seen. Just like Byleth in his full uh, seafoam green hair, Super Saiyan mode, holding out the sort of the glowing sword of the creator with Sothis sort of floating behind him. And it's just Byleth has never looked this cool in the game. Byleth still always has that sort of almost that blank stare, almost dopey looking face. And just, this is a life's moment of Byleth looking actually cool. Oh, I think I know the one talk about it. It kind of has like a weird gold sheen to it. I don't think it's holographic. Like, so this is behind him and he's kind of like gold or whatever. Yes, it has a very golden glow to it. I love that picture. What are some of the, your favorites that you've seen? Well, I'm going to throw some personal bias on here. And of course, when it comes to three houses, everyone knows who I'm biased towards. It's Lorenz. Yes. I believe it's him. Like, he's leaning up against a pole, but he's got, like, a rose in his mouth. <laughs> uh, or or I think there's another one that he has. It's... I may be confusing... I may actually be mixing these two cards together, but I think it's, like, him as a mage, but he's surrounded by roses. They really go in hard with the rose motif. And, of course, uh, Virian from Fire Emblem Awakening, one of my favorite characters, too. Like, I was so surprised he got so many, like, quality cards. Because when the Awakening uh, cards are first coming out, 
they, it was it was pretty much a mixed bag of like here's some okay to really good cards. I'm like, great, Virian's probably just going to get some okay cards. But no, he got some fantastic ones. But my favorite Virian card, I know I'm going a little bit on with this, is uh, it's depicting him as a bow knight. Like, he's sitting upon the horse. And this is something you actually don't see in the game. And, like, he's wielding this elegant-looking bow. I mean, like, they do things where, like, normal weapons are just, like, these grand, elegant designs. It's not just Virian, but other characters, too. But for this one, he's sitting on top of the horse. He has the, he has the bow drawn. And the sky above him looks very heavenly. And it's... It's very regal. It's almost like you can imagine this is the way Virian is telling stories to other people about himself. It's just, it's so sad to see these cards just going away. But I, I, I know why. I know why. Um, one of the reasons that they gave is that, you know, when Cypher started, uh, back in 2015, it's, it was supposed to be the stopgap between Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem titles. But, you know, they said, well, now Heroes fills that gap. And honestly, I kind of think that's crap. They, I think the real reason is that Cypher probably just doesn't make the same money that Heroes does. So they don't see why they're dumping so much money into making Cypher versus Heroes. Because Heroes is one of the, it's making the most of Nintendo's, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, mobile titles. Uh, discounting Pokemon, because I think Pokemon, Pokemon Company, they're kind of weird with how they list things financially. But, uh, last time Heroes, was on their financial reports. It was like something like six hundred and fifty-six million on its way to a billion dollars. Again, just saying, if they released some sort of cipher app, I would be getting these cards. I might actually pay money for it. Oh yeah, packs and stuff. I I, I wonder if one of the things is is that it would cost too much to translate because there's a lot of text on those cards. Yeah, I'm looking at these cards and like you've got beautiful artwork, but like the lower third of a lot of the artwork is just a text box. With just a lot of Japanese text going on there, uh, it, it makes you wonder if you would end up with like the Yu-Gi-Oh problem, where it's like you have these gigantic paragraphs, but it's like point one font. Uh, but I'm just thinking of like the later s- series of Yu-Gi-Oh. Now, oh my goodness, I I used to really enjoy the Yu-Gi-Oh card game back in like the very early days of it, and I tried to get back into it probably around like the motorcycle season, weirdly enough, and just the the text was so tiny and impossible to read, and I did not, could not grasp the rules because every single card, it seemed, just had a paragraph of like, if this happens, then you have to do this. But if you can do blah 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 blah, uh, that it's a problem with card games that keep going on and keep evolving. They keep adding more and more and more rules, and some games do not translate them well. And with you know Fire Emblem Cipher and all the different games and all the different series, uh, you make could be possible that maybe it was just like, well, it's getting to a point where we can't really contain this anymore either, so better end it before it gets too complicated. Uh, some last-minute shout-outs for some more artwork that I liked. Uh, Charlotte from Thracia776 from Booster Series 15. I want to give that a shout-out because not only does Charlotte look awesome with holding up a staff in the air, but it has some green units behind her, and they look absolutely insane, and it's worth looking up that card just to see the green units. Uh, shout-out to the series 17 Anna card because in the later series I saw a couple of cards like this but my, the Anna one was my favorite that showed a bunch of lore like would show a bunch of lords together would show a bunch of legacy characters together but my favorite was the Anna one just showing all of the Annas from all the previous games together on the same card just a really cool little thing and another favorite that I found was uh, Ashnard from series 12 
which looks like the perfect supervillain origin with him holding up a black blade. I forget the name of his sword with a red aura. Um, oh, just so fantastically evil and beautiful. I I got I got another one for you. Just a just another quick shout. But uh, Zephiel when he first kills his father. Oh, that was a good one too. Like you, like you just see like sort of a knife in a body in the background, and you see Z- Zephiel just stepping out like he's a JoJo character or something. Again, that's <laughs> that's only something that you just kind of hear happens. It's never actually depicted in the games in any sort of way. So getting to see that was also really cool. I will, you know what? For the sake of it, I will link the Fire Emblem Cipher wiki so you all can check out the cards in the description for this episode. Absolutely, it is definitely worth a look at, and it's that website does a very good job of organizing it by season and series release and by game title they do a very good job there there's actually one more thing i do want to say about ciphers that uh, similar characters actually made it into the mainline fire emblem titles in fire emblem fates japanese versions um i think certain certain packs came with like codes and you could unlock um it was a pegasus knight minerva and it was a masked version of uh, Marth, a.k.a. Lucina. And I believe there may have been one other character that was in there. And then for Fire Emblem Echoes, there was um, a DLC that lets you play with like the first four Cypher original characters. Shade, Emma, uh, there's a green-haired guy, and oh, I can't remember the other girl's name. Uh, but yeah, there was four of those characters that you could play with in that game, too. So I hope it's not the end for those uh, Cypher OCs, either. Well, I'm... Gotta admit, Ordo, this has been kind of a crummy 30th anniversary celebration so far. <laughs> uh, it really has. I mean, what is this, Metroid? Oh, burn. No, we're actually recording a podcast about this. But let, let's try to celebrate the past of Fire Emblem a little bit more in our support conversation section. Let's take two characters from the past, two characters that represent the series at two different points. Let's combine them into one. Ah, but dang it, they, they never they don't really do crossover games where they support each other. Unless Card was Fire Emblem Warriors has it all for us, baby. Ah, uh, Warriors did something good. Thank you, Fire Emblem Warriors. So the um so the support we actually chose today was uh Krom and Marth. We actually went back and forth on this one. We, we knew we had to have a Marth support, but was it Marth and Lynn, Marth and Krom, Marth and Lucina? So ultimately we were like, well, we kind of trashed Krom the last time we talked about him. So let's kind of give him his date. Let's give him his another chance, if you will. And so um we wanted to choose Marth since he was the beginning of the series, and we chose Krom since he's basically kind of the new Marth for um, newer players. Obviously, three houses may have changed that, but, you know, blue hair, blue hair, same family bloodline, all that good stuff. Yes. Unfortunately, Cardwiz has lowballed me and said, I get to be Krom, so uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get to this support. I am the Hero King. Hmm. Did I move too far ahead? Krom, you're alive. Marth, thank you for coming. Behind you! Oh, you have my thanks. I came here to save you, but instead you saved me. No thanks are necessary. The whole mess is my fault. Don't be so hard on yourself. Anyway, let us be off. Right. You really helped me out. I, I tend to get ahead of myself when it comes to battle. You, on the other hand, fighting, while also watching out for your comrades. I cannot simply stand by and watch as those I fight alongside are hurt. But you are always more than brave on the battlefield. Krom, you know, you remind me of King Henri. The founder of the Kingdom of Altea? To be 
compared to him is a little overwhelming. I'm not that great, but you hold within you the power to accomplish greatness, just like the king. Of the two of us, I think you're far more deserving the name Hero King. Do you truly believe so? I do. When I return home, I'll tell stories of my battle alongside the great Marth. I get so focused on helping everyone that I lose sight of my own safety. It is sad to think that one lauded as the Hero King cannot care for himself. No, I won't accept that. I apologize if I said something to upset you. I'm the one who should apologize. It's impossible not to expect great things from a legendary hero, and when we look at you, we can't help but think, but can't help but feel that you deserve the title, so please, don't be so hard on yourself. Thank you, Krom. You are the first one to explain it in that way. In any case, I must improve myself before I am worthy of the title of Hero King. Marth. But I will no longer make apologize for being less than perfect, and someday I will be as worthy of the title as you say. This I swear to you. And I swear to become as brave as kind soul as you are. As long as we share this bond that spans time itself, I'm sure I can do it. For both this, for the sake of both of our futures. Let us join our power and take to the next battle. Our swords together shall carve a path for both of us. It's a nice... It, it, it's a solid support. It, Warriors does have the problem of there's no like CBA, so you can have a nice progression of support, but it's a nice support where like here are your good qualities. Here are your good qualities. Yay, friendship. Crom here kind of really comes off as like uh, admiring the Hero King, and there's no way that you know I could you know do justice to Matt Mercer's actual voice acting. But yeah, it's um it's very nice to see these characters be able to talk to each other, be able to talk to each other, notice and point out their flaws while praising the other. It does a nice. There's no real conflict, but it doesn't need that in this case. It's just these two characters from the past from this franchise coming together having a conversation it's it's solid i have no qualms with it it's perfectly reasonable but i'd give it like a three out of five yeah i think i would too it's solid so moving from one blue-haired lord to another blue-haired lord to a well blue-haired mercenary uh, yes, finally, we're going to be tackling uh, our playthrough of A Path of Radiance. Yes, the classic GameCube game, which finally brought the series into the third dimension. Ooh, fancy. Well, not only that, it was the first time we would actually see a Fire Emblem game on a console in, like, four or five years. Mm-hmm. First one on a console to make it in America. It was a landmark game. First game to have voice acting. CG cutscenes in, in a completely all new world. Was it the first time that we had a main protagonist who was not royalty? I uh, actually yes, yes. Like, well, we had some things where it's like you know, Alm didn't know he was royalty, but then it's like, oh, until I am. Yeah, Alm didn't know he was royalty till he was. Lynn didn't know she was royalty till she was. But all these characters were actually born into royalty or nobility. Um, Ike wasn't so. Thinking about Path of Radiance, what are like some of your like old memories of Path of Radiance from when you very first played or got the game? I remember picking up the Nintendo Power that had it on the cover and being so excited for that game. I spent so much time researching it. Then when I finally got the game, went home. I now before that, I before I managed to get the game, I remember at my grandparents' house around I think Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever, or maybe it was summer. I don't remember when. Whenever the game came out, I remember sitting down in front of G4 recording X-Play on a VHS so I could see their review of it. 
Holy crap, VHS. Oh, yes. Because, well, I didn't have any way to record on a DVD player at the time. I don't actually still don't know how to record on a DVD player, if that's possible. But, dang it, I still know how to rock a VHS tape. Do you know how to change the time? Okay, now you're getting crazy. Well, if you manage to unplug the power at exactly midnight and then plug it right back in, I think that'll get you the time you need. That's a life hack right there. <laughs> there you go. But And then finally getting a game and listening to those Great. interesting cutscenes. Fantastic. Amazing. I'll, I'll, I, I love voice acting. Oh, but Oh my goodness, I love playing that game. I love that it's just one long story. No, you don't get side chapters, which is, I thought it was just really weird at the time, but I love it now how, I like how linear this game is. I, in my old age, I now appreciate more linear storytelling, and this one does a really good job of that. Everything is very focused. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually, actually borrowed this from a friend, and I got super far. I was still kind of new to Fire Emblem at the time. I think I'd only played basically... Uh, Fire Emblem, Sacred Stones, and Fire Emblem 7, like maybe once each. Then I wanted to dive into uh, Path of Radiant, so I borrowed it from a friend. I got to the second and last chapter, and then I believe I rented it from someplace, and I knew the place was closing down. I was just like, hey, I know your rental place is closing down, so would you all have any problem if I bought this game? And they told me no. And, uh, yeah... I, I wish I'd known how like rare this game had become because when we started up this podcast, I was just like, well, we we might play Path of Radiance one day, so I go ahead and pay for it, paid ninety bucks for it, which is weird to say that's probably on the cheap side. Yep, I I'm keeping my old GameCube game. That is my retirement fund. That is my plan. But I absolutely love this game. I'm glad I still have it. I'm glad it still works. There's still some things that I. It was the first Fire Emblem game where you like that I remember where you could assign skills to people and trying to figure out how that worked. There was also the biorhythm system. Didn't understand how it works back in the day. I'm sh- Hopefully I can figure it out now. Hopefully I'm a little bit smarter. This game did a lot of interesting things that ha- we hadn't seen before. Some of which they kept, some of which they didn't. But I look forward to experience this all again. Same here. It's going to be uh, an interesting experience. So when we're playing this game, I believe you... Uh, how many chapters did you say that we were going to be playing through the first session? Five or seven? Uh, we will be going from the prologue through chapter seven. Most of these are just the really short chapters to get out of the way. When we get to the long chapters, we'll probably only limit it to four or five chapters. But I think going through seven is a good stopping point. That's where we have our first big story beat. I bet you can never guess what it is in a Fire Emblem game. Nope. Not at all, but we will find out next time on the Emblem Support Podcast. You can actually follow us at KD Corley, at Planordo, and at Emblem Supports, all on Twitter. With all that said, chapter complete.